Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, to talk about how brokers and agents are responding to multiple lawsuits around their commissions and some of the top brokers of 2022. Tracy, welcome back to the podcast. Yes, thanks as always for having me. Thanks for being on here at the beginning of the year. We are recording this on Tuesday, January 3rd. It'll we'll, it'll go live on January 4th. So exciting to see what happens in real estate this year. Oh, absolutely. Lots of big things coming. So we already have had a um, you know some executive moves. So Glenn Sanford, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, Glenn Sanford, he's the founder and uh, chairman and CEO of EXP World Holdings, and that includes EXP Realty, Verbella, and Success Enterprises. Um, Verbella is their metaverse. And he has now added a new title to his name as CEO of EXP Realty. Um, That position was held by Jason Gessing. And I'm um, guessing we'll be moving into kind of an expanded role and uh, with EXP World Holdings. So he's moving out of EXP Realty into the World Holdings, um, focusing on industry relationships. So honestly, it's not that shocking of a move to me, given the market. And, um, you know, originally that position, I believe, was going to go to Mark Willis, the former CEO of Keller Williams. And after some a lawsuit um, from Keller Williams and some difficulties, you know, kind of extricating himself from the the company, the Keller Williams regions and market centers that he owned. I think that it it became a little difficult. This is my opinion, but um, I think it became a little difficult to to for for Mark to join EXP, and so Glenn put a new plan in place. Um, with him as as the CEO, which again makes sense in in this type of a market where maybe hiring someone new would not be cost effective when brokerages are, you know, reducing their operational um, expenses. It's a great point. You know, we we really feel like we're going to see a lot of we already have right some consolidation and also just people making best use of the resources that they have, and you know, experience really matters right now. Uh, getting a, a real estate brokerage, getting a huge real estate company through this market is is going to take a lot of expertise. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, Jason moving to his expanded role isn't surprising either. I think that, that they were looking at, um, you know, putting him in a role that would really expand on his skill set. And this is, seems to be a really good place for him. He's been with EXP since 2010, and he's done a really a great job with the company. Um, so we're moving to EXP World Holdings. Is, it, does, it may sound like a demotion, but it is not a demotion. Um, he's taking on more responsibilities for the, the overall holding company. Those are some great points. And I know last the, over 2022, we did a lot of stories about like which brokerage model was, you know, going to be successful, which one, you know, where were we seeing profits? It'll be interesting to continue to look at that into this year to see in this really changed market, what what brokerage model is going to make the most sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, EXP and some of the other virtual models have an edge only because they're not paying occupancy costs um, or they're paying very little in occupancy costs because they don't have offices. Um, that doesn't mean that they're they're going to be more successful or, or less successful than anyone else, but they do have a little bit of an edge in that um, it, with without those expenses, they haven't had to reduce office expenses because they really didn't have any. That's a great point. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're seeing, oh gosh, there's a whole, there's a whole other, uh, you know, uh, thing we could talk about there as far as um, commercial real estate, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> so let's pivot to something. One of the big news stories that we had uh, last year and continues into this year is the whole um, commission lawsuits. Um, can you give us the update there? Sure. So uh, the first suit, the Sitzer lawsuit, which is named after its lead plaintiff, was due to go to court uh, February 21st, 2023. Uh, but at the request of Anywhere or Realogy, uh, it's been postponed indefinitely. And I know that um, that not, I, I don't believe NAR was on board with postponing it. And there are several other lawsuits happening. And so we recently did an article on, on what can what can brokers and agents do to prepare uh, for if there's, for example, a worst possible outcome, which would be to compensation and and cooperation goes away. Um, it, in, then it really becomes about the who has the best marketplace. The MLS really, in my opinion, will still have the best marketplace because they're the only ones who really police the data, but. Um, I don't know if many people know this or not, but larger brokerage firms historically tend to represent more buy side than sell side. And if they um, if they take a look at these uh, buy side commissions and kind of eliminate that, then uh, or eliminate it through through the seller paying for it, um, then that's a big loss of revenue if they don't have a plan in place. So what are some things that brokerages can do and are they actually doing them? Uh, well, I'll answer your first question first. So there are a couple of different things that they, they can do. One thing is, is starting to implement buyer representation agreements, which is very difficult to get by buyer's agents to have um, home buyers sign these. It, it the, the agreement isn't new. There were several brokerages that tried it before, and you have to really represent real value to home buyers because what you're asking them is to go exclusively with you and to pay a, a certain fee, or you can work it out that the fee is paid the same way um, that it always is through, through the seller side. However, it would put it in writing and it would be a contract that they would sign. Um, Again, this isn't new. Some some agents are already doing it. Um, some brokerages are, but it's not something that's done across the board. Um, the other thing is to manage away from sales offices to cut your occupancy and operating costs, which is what a lot of real estate brokerage companies are doing right now. The third is to consider alternative business models, um, maybe beefing up your property management department um, to make up for that loss of income, shoring up your core services, um, which is, is good. But I know Steve Murray has said you can't lose a lot of money in the brokerage business with the hopes that core services will subsidize it. 
Um, your second question was, are they doing it? Um, and we did, we do a quarterly housing market uh, sentiment, forward-looking sentiment survey every quarter. And the Broker Pulse Q1 2023 was just released. And one of the questions, in addition to housing market um, questions, I asked was, what are you doing to prepare? And whether that was a challenge or a concern for them. And 60% answered that they're doing nothing. Um, and only 3.45% of the broker survey felt like the outcome was going to be a challenge or a concern. And some of the quotes I got were, um, you know, I think we need to see where the case goes before we could adjust to the ruling. Um, we can pivot pretty easily and we have a lot of flexibility in our current commission policies. And then we're not preparing. Uh, the future will take care of itself. Wow. Of those who <laughs> are preparing, they're they're doing exactly what we had talked about, um, implementing buyer representation agreements, uh, disclosing all of the client's options as far as a payment and more training on value proposition, especially for buy, buyer's agents, um, you know, because buyer's agents, they spend a lot of time, uh, you know, finding homes. People make the assumption that, oh, all these homes are on the Internet. So the buyer can just go pick what they want to do and, and tell the buyer's agent where to go. But there's a lot more involved in it than just that. Um you know, just the showings, there's negotiating the contract. There there are a lot of um, reasons that buyer's agents are really valuable to the transaction and doing a better job of um, helping buyers understand, home buyers understand that value proposition is something that a lot of them are are training on as well. You know, when you when you look at this and you think some people are just taking a wait and see approach, although that seems like, wow, that's a, a terrible idea. I mean, the trial has been postponed now, right, until the end of yes. 2023. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it might be that people are like, listen, we're just trying to get through uh, the first six months of this year, see where we are, and then take action. I mean, that's not a, a terrible idea when you think about everything that could change in the market between here and there. No, no, it really isn't. I think that having a couple strategy meetings, um, talking about just high level what might happen and the and the threat uh, would be smart for brokerage leadership teams to discuss. But actually, putting together a very specific plan is is probably useless at this point because we really don't know how any of these are going to go. It's a great point. I thought it was interesting. You know, you talked about alternative business models or, you know, something that's different. And um, we interviewed a broker who um, is Scott Brady, the owner of Progressive Property Management, who really yes. branched out, um, as you said, away from, you know, after going through the downturn of um, the great financial crisis, he made a mm -hmm. whole separate business where his real estate agents are also property managers. And they now, yes. I mean, it's, it's a pretty huge business. Um, but also you think, gosh, in, in the times where, you know, like it was booming over the last couple of years, how did real estate agents have time to be property managers? Yeah, well, that's all they're that's what they're doing for his company. Um, I mean, I guess they do they do represent any of the the properties that do want to sell. Their agents are representing those as, as the listing broker. Um, but he had been through, you know, his whole family had been through three recessions in the construction lending business. He said they were 
he had a lot of scar tissue from all of that. And property management is is considered to be a little bit recession proof um, rather than traditional real estate brokerage. So he it's but it's very difficult. Um, the property management, you know, obviously it, it's you're going to have difficulty with with service and vendors and, um, you know, just being just the tenants having issues middle of the night. Um, but he's doing it. And he now manages 1200 properties in Southern California. And they also expanded into association management. Um, so they run 80 associations with 4000 owners. And he's a huge proponent of this model. Um, again, it is definitely not a model that all real estate brokers um, want to pursue exclusively. But adding property management as one of your services is is a really smart move. And I know a lot of brokers who have done that and found success with it. So interesting because when I think of uh, real estate agents, brokers, I really think of salespeople. And mm-hmm. I think of them in a in kind of a different category than someone who would be successful as a property manager. But obviously, I need to meet more <laughs> of these people to to get an idea of what that looks like because I I'm just trying to uh, imagine some of the brokers I know being property managers. They're awesome, incredible people. They just don't strike me as like the person that you call in the middle of the night or or is running that you know. I know they may not be the person you call, but who's running right. that sort of business? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that, um, you know, there are all different types of real estate agents out there and some of them like the, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say safety, but they, they like the, um, structure of managing specific properties and, and knowing where their income is coming from. And, um, I think that really, it depends on the agent. You know, obviously you've got agents who are big sales agents. Um, and then you've got agents who are more on the service. Well, most of them are on the service, but really on the um, operational side. And I think these are probably agents who who are really good operators um, from, from an operational standpoint. And again, they do list the properties for sale. So they do some traditional um, activity as well. I think it it goes to the larger question of something that we've talked about over the last year where we saw so many new entrants into the real estate profession in you know from 2020 to 2022 because there was so much opportunity and uh seemingly you know you if you were uh you know if you knew anybody in real estate at all you're like man they're killing it and they're you know it looked easy maybe um and there was a lot of opportunity and then you you know you see people who now you're like you know how many of those people were what we what we kind of call professional um, professionals versus somebody who's doing that on the side or some you know like somebody who does just a couple deals a deal uh, a year or no deals every year, and and what the fallout of that is going to be when you look at uh, a market like we had the second part of 2022 and and going into this year and you wonder you know what is the what is the total going to look like after ballooning to 1.4 million I believe uh, at least that were uh, had in our membership. And then thinking about what that might look like at the end of 2023. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's expectations of that, um, especially uh, at NAR, that they will lose. I, I don't know what the numbers are. I'm sure they keep track of the, you know, it's probably like, you know, 80% of all agents have only done less than five transactions. Or I, I don't even know. I'm just totally making that up. But I'm sure they keep track of that. Um, but 
It is true. There, there are a lot of agents. And I think that some of the newer business models like this, it's real, actually, it's not a new, it's just an alternative is on running a property management company is a, is a better option for some of the agents who really don't have that big sphere or have that, um, you know, don't enjoy cold calling and door knocking. Right. Uh, I just looked it up and NART currently has 1.6 million, 1.6 million. I had yes. old numbers in their membership. And yet uh, I, I know I saw something, but it was on social and I, I haven't had time to uh, fact check it, that there was quite <laughs> a very high number of those who had never sold a house. Um, so that's interesting. When I was at the AIM Fuse conference, so that's the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts, and it's uh, an organization that supports independent mortgage brokers who um, you know, are part of the lending process. I sat at a table, and five of the people around the table were real estate agents who were transitioning into being mortgage brokers. So I thought that was really interesting because I know as well, you have lenders who are going, okay, well, what can I do? You know, we're all in this together when, when you, you know, when houses aren't selling, it affects anyone, everyone. So I thought how interesting that in this market, real estate agents are like, Hey, I could, I could also get in on the lending side, which has its own challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about some rankings that are about to open up on real trends. Where are we with that? Yeah, so um, the rankings are launching tomorrow for submissions. Um, this is the Real Trends 500 top brokerage firms, the thousand um, top real estate agents and teams, and America's best, which is that next level of high-producing real estate agents and teams. Um, the the current submission thre- thresholds are um, agents must have a minimum of forty sides and sixteen million in volume. Teams have 60 sides and 24 million in volume and brokerages 500 minimum sides. Um, So if an agent team or brokerage meets that criteria, they can submit to the rankings tomorrow. Um, And the submission dates, uh, the brokerage rankings stay open for three months until March. And then the agent and team rankings stay open for four months until April. So, um, so those will be opening up super exciting. It's based on 2022 calendar year. So it's our 2023 rankings, but it's based on last year. And I, I imagine we'll have a lot of, um, really high producing agents, um, who had a great year last year, despite the the headwinds of the, the middle to end of the year. I can totally see that, that those first six months were still pretty gangbusters. I would like, I think it actually opens today because, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, this comes out on Wednesday. So I, (laughs) so yay. Um, we had some really amazing winners of this or, you know, top agents, top producers. Can you tell us a little bit about that from last year? So every year we get some non-traditional, uh, agents and teams who, uh, rank really highly in the process. And there they are, um, a lot of people ask questions about that, but though they are, we do a, a massive, um, you know, exploration of these teams. They have to provide support uh, documents, including tax returns or information. Uh, we don't just look at the MLS and decide who has, um, you know, who, who has the num- number one amount of transactions through the MLS. 
And there's a whole vetting process that they go through. Um, and Ben Cavallero with HomesUSA.com is, is one of them who has ranked um, number one for several years. And he has an interesting model where he lists new homes for sale and has a whole system that um, he uses for them. And we there's there's quite a few like that in the in the in the top um, flat fee MLS you know transaction fee type of um, agents who are who are offering uh, you know will list your property for a specific fee, um, but if you look at the actual independent agents from there, um, you know we had like our um, Shirley Gary from Engel and Volkers in Atlanta. Uh, Kyle Saboth from Century 21 in Massachusetts, um, Phil Rotondo with Coldwell Banker in Florida. We had quite a few agents in the Florida markets who ranked very highly in our independent and teams, um, especially in, in the Palm Beach area, and as everybody was moving there uh, over the last couple of years. So we... Um, you know, we also have we rank our teams by size and volume and small, medium, large and uh, mega teams. So some of the last year's winners were, uh, you know, J2 Group Inc., um, powered by ERA and uh, Grady Real Estate, the, the Caparos team, Amanda and Kyla team. Those were in the small category and I can go on and on, um, but we had a record number of entries last year or submissions last year. And we also, um, you know, we also have America's best and that ranks by state. So you can find, you can rank yourself, you can find your ranking by state um, on America's best. And that includes the thousand as well. I love that because we know that there are some markets, right? I mean, California, Florida, Texas, New York, they're always going to be outsized as far as like how much it costs or how many you can sell or, you know, just the popularity, especially over the last couple of years. But, you know, there are ways that we can see who is doing well in every market. And I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be featuring a lot of these people on Realtrends.com with some interviews about um, specific strategies that they've used over the years. Um, we've also are, we've done several interviews with them now that are slowly trickling out. Uh, I think Jade Mills was one that we recently did about she's been on the rankings since 2006 and she um, has just like through many, many markets excelled. So what exactly has she done to to excel and, and what can you learn from her? Um, we've got a couple more people that we're featuring to with these success stories who have been in the business for a long time. We also did a um, podcast with Alexis Bolin, who was a 44-year vet, um, in talking about the dialogue she uses and how she has managed to stay on top throughout the, the many... Um, recessions and down markets that she's been through. So I love that because, you know, one of our goals as we go into the year is to continue to provide the kind of information, the news and information that real estate professionals, lending professionals, anybody involved in housing needs to really make be a success, make their business grow this year, even despite all of that. And these to me are some of the most valuable interviews that we do. So, you know, we know that these people are successful. You know, I, I'm huge on social media. I love to interact with people on there, but there's lots of people on social media that you're like, who is this? You know, you don't really know who they are. You don't really have the, you know, they claim to be the expert on this, that, and then they're like, oh, here's what I learned. 
but these are people we've vetted and have won against um, really amazing other companies, right? They've ranked really high um, in these different things. And so we can, we know for sure, these are experts you should listen to. And then we get to talk to them and help, you know, spread the message uh, to make other people successful. So from my perspective, these are some of my favorite interviews. Oh, yeah, it's fun. And um, they, they've they just got such a depth of knowledge that anyone from from new to the business to veterans can learn from them and take away ideas. And that's one of the goals we have with Real Trends is really to to offer that peer to peer advice so that, you know, you can get ideas for marketing or get ideas for a new uh, lead generation site that you might want to consider and and really learn from other people in the industry who are doing it and not just, um, you know, not just us saying you should try this. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm hopeful that we're going to see rates start to stabilize, which would help everybody across the housing industry. Yeah. That's a, yes. that's a Logan conversation we're going to have tomorrow, but um, it's great to hear from people who've been through several downturns. The fact that that person has been in business for 40 years, you just think that's also just really encouraging for everyone else to be like, you can make this work long-term. This is yep, something yep. that you can navigate and figure out and make work. Um, and you know, we, we hope to be right along with people on that journey so that they can do it. Yep, Absolutely. Well, Tracy, thanks so much for being on. As always, a pleasure. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or... How is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.